Welcome everyone to Beyond the Panel, brought to you by Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester, and Westchester's ultimate headhunter, the Headless Horseman. I'm your host, Kai, and we're here to give the Talent Tuesday panelists an opportunity to follow up and dive a little deeper into the subject matter they recently spoke to on the webinar. Welcome to the program, Susan Goodwin-Thomas. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. I had such a great time uh, listening to your ideas on the Talent Tuesday webinar, and I'm really looking forward to you know asking you some questions. But before we do that, uh, can you just give us a brief bio you know, what makes you passionate about the idea of finding, hiring, and retaining talent here in Westchester County? Yeah, sure. Thank you. So um, I started out in um, after university in finance and then quickly realized that I was more interested in people than I was numbers. And so mm-hmm. um, somebody gave me the idea of transitioning to executive search, which I did way back. Um, and um, did that for a couple of years in London, but then was sent to uh, our New York office as um uh, many, many years ago, back in 98. So most of my life has been an executive search in the United States, but also, I mean, obviously I started in London and and lived in Asia for five years uh, as well, well, six years actually. So um, uh, as soon as I got into executive search, I realized that I, I just loved uh, the work of solving problems with clients, of trying to find um, replacements for individuals who were leaving, trying to, I mean, bluntly trying to upgrade where they felt that they didn't have the right person in a role or where they had new businesses that they were trying to develop. Um, and I found that what I really enjoyed was the the research around the businesses themselves, the competitive intelligence that would um, educate you on what this company would be trying to do, why it, was, why it would be trying to do it, and then the individuals themselves as well. Um, so, uh, it's it's like the most extraordinary game of problem solving that I've enjoyed every aspect of. Um, of course, if you're doing executive search for 20 plus years and you're going to see all the organizations um, that are really good at making their environment one in which people want to work. So, for example, if you phone and say that you're working for a particular company, the reaction you get to that company from uh, the candidate pool will speak volumes to the brand. And then our business focuses 100% on on one profession, the corporate communications profession, although it goes to either side of that, to marketing communications, to government relations, public policy, and actually um, investor relations as well. But so much of that is about reputation, brand, et cetera. And it's ironic then that, you know, you sometimes are in a situation where the organization has not done the best job of um, making sure that it is a place where people really want to go and work. Um, Mm -hmm. And so then I became very curious as well about, um, frankly, about personal and professional development, what really helps individuals to grow um, and how they can sustain that growth. It's all very well to have training, but how do we sustain change if we want to? So I got very, very interested in leadership. I took some time out um, doing uh, ontological coaching um, and then came back to the search profession. I had previously worked in uh, financial services and search and now focus purely on the communications profession, which is what Heyman Associates does. So. Um, it's become even more, I mean, since the pandemic, um, it has become even more the case that this is a conversation worth having. I think it was it was, it was, was of less interest to organizations. They had so much more of the power. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we all have seen uh, very obviously that the employees uh, for a while had very much more of the power. They did. And now I think we're in a place where we're not quite sure where it lies. Right. 
frankly, it depends very much on the organization. It depends on the role. Uh-huh. Uh, so if it is a very sort, we've heard from organizations, for example, that certain types of, of roles, for example, if it's very difficult to hire technology um, experts and professionals, then we can't force them to come back into the office. But there are other roles, of course, that have to be in the office. Right. And so then it's really interesting because what we hear is that if the individual is somebody who you feel should know whether or not they need to be in the office and you want them to be somebody who uh, wants to be in the office for the right reasons, then if they're saying they don't want to be and they want to be remote, um, it's, it's that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, and then there are plenty of other roles where we know that if they articulate, I will need this period of time to know everything that I need to know at the level that I need to know it to be effective remotely. That's a reasonable conversation. Sure. But with, I, I have to say that so many speaking on the panel is it wonderful? It's wonderful to hear other people's opinions, and it, one of the things we expressed is how difficult it is to speak generally. The circumstances are always specific. Um, there are some crass generalizations you can make, but but very quickly um, you'll find that the you know the circumstance, and I think that's one of the things I really love is that you listen for the generalizations, but you also listen for the gaps for what else could happen here. One of the examples I gave during the panel was that we had an organization come to us with headquarters in Europe wanting somebody to be based in New York. Um, and ultimately, we found somebody who was in Atlanta and said, if I could just have a conversation with them, I'll explain how I can make it work. Right, right. That was the successful candidate. Well, there you go. We have the same thing even with, with looking at people's titles. There are so many assumptions um, and assertions we make as human beings, and we don't have enough information to make them yet. Right. And I think it's our job to help organizations to know that that's really the one thing that if, if we have you know, made ourselves experts in just this, the amount of experience we have of seeing how things go, even when you think they can only go one way, is enough to just hold a space for clients and candidates to say, okay, well, that's interesting. Well, let's see how it goes. Let's have a think about that. Let's put this on hold. Let's um, do this for now. Um, and that the outcome could be somewhere even better than you expected as a result. Absolutely. And something that stuck out to me there was like this idea of hiring becoming a problem, right? And it was very much part of the news cycle and kind of like these these words that pop out like, um, you know, fun employed or, you know, people don't want to work. To be perfectly honest, I was one of them. Um, you know, we st- I started working at home and I started reevaluating what was really important to me. And I was unemployed for a couple months, figuring out where I wanted to go next. And, you know, it ended up being a great opportunity. Do you see employees' current demands as unrealistic? Or is this on the employers to adapt to these changes? Well, again, um, this comes down to the individual. I think you'll meet individuals who do have unrealistic demands, but but maybe not, because mm-hmm. they'll find out what you found out, that I have these values and these values trump everything. I'm not going to um, do any of these things again. Um, and so, um, you know, we'll have conversations with people who say, well, I, I'm not, I'm, I will not go into the office again. Um, and so then we know we can only approach that individual for remote opportunities. We did find that, that um, once people were going back into the office, and bear in mind, we had some clients who they never left the office other than lockdown. So only during lockdown. Yeah. Um, and this is big companies yeah, you know, in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to any real estate company and they will say, we're a real estate we're going to have everybody in the office <laughs> right. it wasn't just the real estate companies um so mm-hmm. um i think that um for those people who feel 
this has woken me up to something and I therefore want to change my life. Those are people that, you know, they're not going to have the same opportunities now because they've made, um, they've put a ring around what they will and won't do. Um, and the same is going to happen for companies. But if companies say, well, we're definitely all going to be back in the office, well, then they may have a diminished circle of candidates that they can draw from. And I think it's just choices that people are making um, mm -hmm. and that it's not necessarily that either side is being unreasonable or unrealistic. They're just changing the way that they operate. There's been an opportunity to change the way that you operate and it is inside of values. Yeah. Uh, and it's up to employers, I think, then. I think employer, really smart employers will, will know that this won't be about the whole organization, that there will be parts of the organization where we say, that's a role where we have to have you on site. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. It's unavoidable. Yeah. Um, it, it might be at a very high level and it might be at a, at a, um, a sort of fundamentally um, sort of ground level. Um, and then there's everything in between. So I think it's hugely varied and I'm, I'm reluctant to say that I think that employers, all of them, um, are um, that they need to change their mindset. I think that they have been changing their mindset. I think they're doing their best. Um, mm -hmm. And it can take a long time if you have you know, operated one way for a long time to change that. So it's all very well to say, oh, well, you know, that's fine. Let's all adapt. But if they have long leases on you know, huge buildings, that's much, it's much less easy for those types of organizations to quickly shift. So the idea of something that's unavoidable, right? If we just focus on the idea of remote work, um, unfortunately, this this role, which you are extremely qualified for, it's unavoidable. You're going to have to be on site. So I think for me, it makes me question the idea of what remote work means. Because um, I think if you just say remote work, someone's like, oh, you're at home 100% of the time. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. To me, the idea of remote work is actually flexibility. You know, can you can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah. And this is interesting, different terminology. So I think this is one of the things we have to be really careful of is actually how we speak about these things. So right. we speak in absolutes of, you know, is everybody being unrealistic or, you know, did everybody needs to change their mind? No, none of that. And I think flexibility is the right word. I think so people have used the term hybrid. Um, and I think actually flexible is probably one of the best. Um, mm -hmm. And when people use the term hybrid, then it's and what does that look like? Which days do I have to be in the office? Is it and is it days or is it as you described them? that sort of, well, no, it might be very flexible. It might be one week um, these days and another week those days, and it might be mornings or it might be, you know. So, for example, we had um, members of our staff, uh, when it was we were first coming back to the office, um, there was great reluctance to be on the trains during rush hour. And so, you know, um, one of the flexible ways would be, well, then come in non-rush hour hours and go home non-rush hour hours. Mm -hmm. um, as soon as I start thinking about flexible, I think of all right. the different, all the, think of all the different stages in our life. If we've got small children, we have no children. and Got a baby on the way. <laughs> exactly. So then that, the ability to, to, um, to shift your, your working schedule to accommodate that new cadence in your life as a result of bringing a new, a brand new human being into mm -hmm. your family, that's pretty cool. I mean, if we're yeah. heading towards, um, I, I'd like to think that maybe what we're heading towards ultimately a little bit sort of thinking way into the future is this has been an opportunity for us to learn potentially 
you know, how to really respect the the cadence of, of, a, of a family life or an individual's life um, and how we can actually bring um, more balance to the workplace, ironically, by giving each other more balance. Right. So mm-hmm. are there ways of developing teams so yeah. that you've got just the ra- right amount of commitment, um, you know, uh, in terms of people in the office, out of the office, coming and going, you know, it sounds very complex. Um, and I think that's that's probably the only thing that we need to do is to lean into that complexity and see what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. And so as an employer, this idea of your willingness to be flexible to the cadence of life, call it. I really, really enjoyed hearing about the really progressive work policies that you were part of, which I feel like uh, were happening before, you know, mm-hmm. it was, I guess, popular uh, to have these kind of progressive policies. Can you speak to like a couple of those just so our listeners are aware of like, wow, you like, these are the kinds of things you can do as an employer? Mm. Well, it's interesting because you're using the word progressive. And I, I think that actually that they would be seen in many cases to be old fashioned, um, you know, mm. that they were, that you would always get a minimum. So I, you know, obviously I grew up in the UK and, um, I don't think there was an organization that you could join straight from school or university that didn't give you four weeks vacation. Um, And then if you think we would sit in the UK thinking that if only we worked in France or Italy and we'd get the whole of the summer off because it's it's too hot to work. I mean, these are, again, crass generalizations and and it's not true. Um, But um, one of the things that you you knew in Europe as well was that you would get more and more vacation as you as you stayed longer with an organization. So loyalty was rewarded, for example. Um, so when I came to the United States, I can remember seeing the um, the vacation policy, and and I I phoned back to the London ho- headquarters and I said, "Gosh, have you seen have you seen this policy?" And, Lack thereof. <laughs> yes, exactly. So in our UK office. Um, it was mandatory that everybody take at least two consecutive weeks vacation. You had to go on holiday for two consecutive weeks. It was seen uh, to be part of something that everybody should do on an annual basis just to take care of yourself, um, to completely disconnect. And, and I think everybody knew that if you only go for away for a week, well, you spend the first half, you know, you're, you're rushing the week before. The week before a long vacation is often the worst. <laughs> yep. And then while you're on vacation, you don't really disconnect for the first few days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you don't disconnect for the first few days, you've got a couple of days before you start thinking about going back home right. again. And so how many days real rest do you get? Um, and uh, when I was working in investment banking, I saw this myself that I did a week's vacation. And at the end of that vacation, I thought, oh, now I could go on an adventure vacation. Right. The first one was really just to completely recuperate. Right. So I think that that's what we're missing. We're missing recalibration, um, like, like personal recalibration when we don't mm-hmm. have those longer breaks. So as you, you're describing it as progressive, it was just normal. I yeah. think it's still normal. I mean, if you, I mean, my goodness, if you look at um, maternity and paternity leave across Europe and then compare it with the United States, uh, that isn't, that some of that now I would say, yes, that's progressive. That's longer than we've ever seen it be. Um, and it's coming here, but it's slower. It's definitely slower. I mean, it was, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that because I'm becoming a father, you know, we built a paternity mm. policy. Um, but, you know, I, I have people in my life who live in different states who don't even get maternity. As an employer, you know, just to wrap this up, maybe try to narrow this down just to one idea. As an employer, what is your job or what is your role affording an employee 
you know, this, I call it like the work-life balance. Like, is there maybe one piece of advice you could send our listeners away with on trying to achieve that? I think the first thing you've got to do that, you know, a business person will think about is what can I afford to afford mm-hmm. my employees? What can I afford to offer? Because, um, you you know, um, that would be the first thing. But then if you can afford it, um, but you just haven't been because you were just doing what everybody else was doing, then I think the point is to be highly empathetic, really start to think um, about people, you know, as people and, and very personally and how you think that they will be healthiest. And I think that if you come up with a policy that you would be really excited to, um, that would make you really excited to join that company, then you're well on well on the road to a- attracting the best talent. Nice. Well put. Empathy. Appreciate that. Well, you know, that kind of wraps up our time here. Um, big thanks to you, Susan Goodwin-Thomas, um, for being here, for our employers here in Westchester County as we, you know, continue to find, hire, and uh, kind of retain, you know, great talent in the area. Um, and again, uh, this was Beyond the Panel, uh, brought to you by Balancing Life's Issues, the Business Council of Westchester, and Westchester's Ultimate Headhunter, the Headless Horseman. Be sure to check out the bcw.org for upcoming webinars and events, including Talent Tuesdays. Thanks again, Susan. Thanks so much, Kay. All right. Until next time, take care, everyone. Bye.